You're listening to Drek FM. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. I feel like I live in a world made of cardboard, always taking constant care not to break something, to break someone, never allowing myself to lose control, even for a moment, or someone could die. But you can take it, can't you, big man? What we have here is a rare opportunity for me to cut loose and show you just how powerful I really am. everyone to trek fm's local watering hole we are coming at you live that's right live or somewhat live or pre-recorded whatever it is from the fortress of solitude and i'm so excited to be here tonight it's going to be a little bit different than our normal 602 clubs we're going to do something a little bit special uh for me it was my birthday yesterday and i, I just wanted to do something different so before we dive into that, and I let you know who's here with me, uh, just remember that uh, you can find all of the shows for Trek FM on iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We're a feature provider there, so while you're there, uh, hit us up with a star rating and review, because right now we've got the review contest going on, and everybody who's ever reviewed the show will be able to be in the drawing for a copy of Batman v Superman ultimate edition digital edition copy uh we'll be ending that around the end of july so just make sure you get your review in and it really does help out the show because it helps more people find the show so really appreciate all those who have gone out there and done that already find us all over the place uh twitter trek fm facebook facebook.com slash trek fm you know we have the babel conference our listeners only discussion group and we'd love to get some voicemails from people it's been a while Go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm, and of course, if you'd like to shoot us an email, go to trek.fm slash contact, choose the show, the 602 Club, and that'll come straight to me and whoever is hosting that week. So, Well, John, uh, I'm so glad you're here tonight because, one, uh, we met through podcasting. Uh, you've become like a brother to me. And you share a love for something that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh Man, there are a couple of things that I don't think I should talk about publicly that I have a love for. So I'm glad it's Superman uh, tonight. So, yeah, no, you're right, Matt. Uh, it, it, we did meet through podcasting. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, I applaud your choice of topics. I really do. 
Well, thank you. I, I mean, what's what's great about this this episode uh, that you're going to be on is that you will be able to say the words super and man together <laughs> without fear of, you know, having to drink some sort of disgusting beverage pretending to have something to do with margaritas and fruit and beer or, or uh, tomato sauce or anything like that or Clamato. Oh, please. No, That's Clamato right. Again. <laughs> yeah, no, it's nice to be talking about the last son of Krypton without fear of retribution. It's uh, it, it is. It's very liberating. It's very liberating. Well, it's good. It's good. It's it's like you have blasted off in a spaceship toward your brand new home and found yourself imbibed with incredible yeah. powers. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I wanted to kind of just start off the conversation this way. And we're, we'll be free-flowing a little bit more than we even usually do here on the show, but Superman is a character who's, you know, we both know. He's been around for 75 years, and he's the first superhero uh, you know, uh, other than, you know, Greek gods and whatnot. And so I wanted to ask you, what drew you to the character? And then what's kept you kind of coming back to the character for so many years? I grew up with Superman. You know, like, I, I can't, I, I can't fathom a childhood where that 1978 Richard Donner movie didn't exist. Um, like it's just Superman has just been a part of my entire sort of like entertainment world. I, not just mine, but you know, I mean, yeah, everybody, especially in our age range, you know, you grew up with the Superman movies, Christopher Reeve, Superman movies like that. It's it true. Was just ingrained in you. Um, and so I came to the comic books after that, but for me, the indelible impression of Superman that I've always come back to is that guy that was, not saying it pejoratively, but that very innocent gee whiz type of guy that, he, you know, he has power. His interest in everything isn't in self-aggrandizement, but in, you know, helping people, being just being a good guy. Like, I, I think that what has kept everybody coming back to Superman through time is here's a guy who can rule the entire planet if he were to wish it. Who's going to stop him? And yet... His choice, his moral center is, it's just not the right thing to do. He, you know, he's not doing it because of some, you know, uh, uh, misguided sense of um, of scale or proportion. He's or fear. He's doing it because he just he was raised knowing what right from wrong. And I think that's real. I think that's really what his endurance is. That's why everybody keeps coming back to him. I, I you know, growing up just like you, uh, Superman. Uh, my first exposure really was, you know, I, I think, you know, there were cartoons as, as a kid, you know, uh, Adventures of Superman, old cartoons like mm. that, to Super Friends, that kind of stuff yeah. would, would still, you know, be on TV uh, if you caught it at the right time. But th the first introduction probably really was, for me, the 78 film. And, you know, uh, Christopher Reeve does a masterful job of portraying Superman and and really in a lot of ways I think a lot of people think that you know that is Superman like that's straight out of the comic Superman but there's a lot of that movie that's very different from the comics um and and so but he set such an indelible mark on so many people of what Superman meant 
that it's been hard for anybody to overcome that. Oh, uh, for sure. And the, the thing is, I'm glad you say that because like, it was so easy. I think that, that really the testament to why the 1978 movie has really just remained so firmly planted in everybody's consciousness as what the character is, is specifically because the structure of it, the way that it's, the way that it would have been so easy to go down the road of and that Donner indulges just a little bit is sort of acknowledging the ludicrousness of the idea, right? Like it's sort of an idea where uh, even though we live in an age where we sort of like we take our muddled half understandings of science and our, our presumptive greater understanding of it than, than we truly have. And we try to like make every, you know, oh, Batman's grappling hook could work this way. If, right. And, oh, well, you know, we're, we're, I'm going to make a reference here. I, I don't know how many people will get it, but uh, there's a movie called Hollywood Shuffle with uh, a bit called Sneaking in the Movies where they, and it's a spoof movie. And there's a part where the two guys are watching uh, the Chicago Jones movie and they like jump off a mountain and they make it okay. And this one guy's sitting there, he's like, well, no, if you jumped off the mountain at just the right way and the wind current caught you, like Donner doesn't go down that road at all. He goes down the slightly spoofy take of it. But the reason that Reeve remains indelible to the character is because he's like the guy that the kids were making fun of in school who pretended not to notice and just said, you know what? I don't care what you say. I am who I am, and I'm going to keep... Like, he's possessed, it's not of a pompousness, but of a, a self-assuredness that if somebody were to make fun of him, he's not... It, like, he he's he just sort of rolls with it. He's just like, what am I going to do? You know, I'm, I'm going to show you who I really am, and if you don't like it... I, I mean, you know, I like, I know that I'm rambling here, but, you know, th- there's this there's this whole thing where... I think that su- our understanding of Superman now is informed in a lot of ways by the cynicism that's expressed in Kill Bill Volume 2, where Bill has that long diet. It was like, oh, Superman is dressing up like us to hide his blood, and this is what he thinks of us, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I make the argument that the strength of the 78 movie is that Clark Kent is really who Kal-El is at that point, and the reason for his secret identity is not because he has disdain for us, not because he is trying to be, you know, something he's not, but he's a guy from, you know, the Midwest who grew up very simple and is just, he's just happy to be alive and be around, man. That's it. I think what, um, for me, one of the enduring things about Superman is that Superman is an outsider. You know, Superman is somebody who will never truly fit in, but that doesn't keep him from trying to, and that doesn't keep him, and that's why I think that he has the Clark Kent moniker, is that he, I think he realizes that if he doesn't connect to humanity in that way, if he doesn't try to be human, yeah then a good part of him would probably be more likely to become farther and farther removed. And 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 I I reference um Watchmen, you know, he would become Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, no, good point, good point. But, you know, Superman's 
uh, choice to, well, and it helps. He's raised by, you know, human parents. Uh, he doesn't know he's not human for a while, you know, as a child until all these powers start showing up. And I think, though, he keeps the Clark Kent moniker because he needs that connection to humanity. He needs to be, uh, he wants to understand what it's like to be human, even though he'll never be human. Sure. And, you know, I, I think to me as well, Superman is an interesting dark mirror, uh, and and not a I don't mean like dark mirror is like a bad person, but a mirror darkly of what I I feel like Jesus' experience on Earth had to be like to really become human and God all at the same time and experience what it was like day in and day out. You know what I'm saying? Like Superman does that every day as well as Clark Kent, and I think it just makes for a really interesting picture and uh, connection to humanity. And because he chooses to live among us as one of us, it makes him much more relatable, uh, and it keeps him related to us. And I just, I really like, that's what, to me, it's one of the indelible parts of the character because, you know, people say Superman's not relatable, but to me, he's the most relatable of the superheroes because he's just a normal guy. Really, who ends up ha- who ends up being somebody who's in vibe with all of these powers, and really he just wants to be normal a lot of the time, you know. Like, right. But how many of us feel like that? We just want to be normal. We just want to be accepted. We just want to be loved, and we just want to help out where we can. And yet, so many times we kind of feel ostracized or to the one side. And I think Superman is just a great character for that because really he's he's utterly one of the most relatable characters in in comic book. I think that's been created. Well, I, I think it, I think it's very important. You hit on, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't want to do anything but fit in, and there's so many different ways that could be taken, and so many different ways you could come at it. But I think that the real baseline of it, the the thing that where it really functions, is that you you could say, well, why doesn't he just be himself and leave it up to other people? is that that is the sad aspect of it is that he knows that he can't be himself, right? He can't just walk in and be like, I'm indestructible and perfect and wonderful. And people aren't going to accept that. He understands that. And that's sort of the, that's sort of like the sadder part of it. And that's why I think that um, he winds up being in a sense, a, a champion of the nerd, you know, like that constantly, I remember walking around and having, you know, that feeling of like, yeah, I don't, I don't like everything you guys do and you don't like everything I do. And so, you know, like that, that sort of like sad feeling of like, I just want to share with everybody, like what I think is so special and wonderful. But I want to ask you, we're, we're sitting here and I'm definitely approaching, I'm definitely approaching it through the lens of Christopher Reeves interpretation of the character. What is it? That and it's no it's no secret that you loved Man of Steel, you loved Batman versus Superman, right? That you've you've talked about that on here on your show, right? Do you see the character the same way? Do what is it that what is it that you think is proving so difficult for people to connect with this different interpretation of Superman? Why is it that people can't move on from Christopher Reeve? And go for this slightly different. I mean, I, I know from my perspective, but I want to get how do you see it? Why, what do you see the disconnect as? 
What what are people not seeing that you do? Well, I think that, I mean, I'm glad you asked the question because I, I think it's something that's re- really fascinating to me. I don't understand why people don't get it, but I, for just personally, what, what I get, especially from the new films, is that it's the same Superman, it's just a different question. The, the original film, the 78 film, you know, uh, Clark is very... He's very formed uh, as a as a person, and then, you know, he kind of disappears for twelve years. Uh, he goes to space school with his, you know, with Jarrell. He learns all of these things. He's just gone from humanity. Uh, like you know, it's almost like the wilderness travels for Jesus for thirty days, you know, forty days in the desert. Uh, but Superman has that for like twelve years. Right. Uh, he, he disappears. He learns how to be who he's going to be. He gets taught all these things. And he comes back and he is just Superman, you know. But it, to me, like, what I like about the new films is that uh, there's more of a journey for the character of, like, why does this character choose to do this? And Snyder even said um, recently in an interview that I really appreciate about him because I feel like he gets the character of Superman to me. Uh, he gets it, and and because he asked the question, why does he choose to be who he is? W- what are the things in his life that have made him choose who he is? Because you know, uh, any of the superheroes, they they choose to do what they have, they do. Uh, Batman's, we know his so well; it's so easy because his parents died, and he's you know funneling that rage into trying to keep other people's you know. But Superman, it's it's a bigger question, like. You know, yes, he can help all these people, but why does he choose to be good? Why does he, instead of evil, why does he choose um, to help in the way he does? Why does he choose to be Clark Kent and Superman? You know, I mean, it's it's so rich of a tapestry to try and unravel and actually see. And so for me, what's interesting is is putting that question in a modern context where, as you kind of mentioned, we live in this, you know, this very cynical age. And so the happy-go-lucky Superman, I think people want that, but they don't know how to have it. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, because uh, I feel like if you put that on screen, everybody would be like, oh, really? Like, uh, Tristan Riddell said this on on our Batman v Superman company. It's like, I feel like people always want Superman to be like, winking and smiling at the camera every single moment. But I feel like asking serious questions about a character who's been around for 75 years on screen at this point and taking him seriously and and watching his journey, for me, is just utterly fascinating. Um, because he's getting there, but it's not like... It's an easy process, you know? And to me, to watch Superman have to struggle with all the same questions that I do but have all the power that he does and and still come out making the right decision um to me that's a powerful lesson you know just, i i think about our world today and, and that, that if you know <laughs> if if the wrong person had this kind of power uh it'd be over sure and you know so it, to me it's just it's a it's the journey, you know, and I, I appreciate getting to watch the character make these decisions. And a lot of the ways uh, that the New 52 
ask these questions as well because they they created a younger Superman, one who was more in his formative years, and he was still learning what it meant to be Superman, and, and, and it was still a journey for him. He still had things where he needed to grow and mature and all of that, and I think, I don't know, I'd rather have that than the paragon of virtue that has nothing to learn because to me that's kind of boring and i think at least with the 78 superman superman's kind of like that he's the paragon of virtue he doesn't really have anything to learn so he's not a very interesting character for that movie but then i you get to superman 2 which i don't know if it's really a better film i don't think it, it is. isn't <laughs> um but it's interesting because that superman has a lot more nuance to him you know, he also makes some morally questionable decisions. We talked before the show, John, about what kind of a jerk Superman is when he goes and beats the guy up at the end of the movie. Yeah. That's kind of a jerk move. Uh, well, it's not kind of. It is a jerk move. Uh, yes, it, it, is, <laughs> it is a jerk move, but I, I think, I mean, it, it definitely serves uh, to illustrate the entire idea of, you know, the fact that Superman is making that conscious choice that he could have, I mean... He goes back and he beats up the guy in, in the old truck stop, but he could have completely demolished him. And so, well, I mean, know, he just would have been dead with the flick of a finger right. if he there, wanted. There's, there's still the restraint. I mean, I think that the whole Zack Snyder interpretation, like what he intends to get at, is not the only. The only counterpoint I would offer is that it's it's not Snyder's intent. I think that is the hurdle for a lot of people like myself. Like I, I see where he's trying to go. I just, the way that he puts things together, you know, from my perspective is what doesn't work. Like he, he that's what blunts the arc, but you had mentioned how, you know, the, the Christopher Reeve Superman is indelible and is there and is sort of a time capsule but isn't necessarily the character as he was in the comics. Now, do you think that the character was in a different place in the comics in the 1970s and then they turned around and went... Basically, basically they were trying to get away from that? Or do you think that... I, like, given the comic book history, what is the truest expression of Superman, what is the consistent thread? If you were to make a Superman movie, you're being you're being brought in as a, a consultant on Man of Steel two, Dawn of Justice three, Ultimate something, right? You're brought in as a story consultant. What is the expression of Superman that is in the comics? The essence that you're going to pull out of it from what era? I think that's a really great question, and the. The hardest thing, and um, there's a there's a really uh, just great book out there, John. And uh, I know that uh, I, I believe you actually bought it for your friend Craig uh, for his birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, it, it really helps kind of explain this whole idea of Superman. And it's called Superman: The High Flying History of America's Most Enduring Hero. And the author, uh, Larry Ty, does a really good job of talking about how, you know, each decade, you know, at each, you know, 15 years or whatever, the, the Superman that that generation kind of needs is kind of what we get. And 
that you know so superman has is has had some things that uh, about him kind of stay consistent but there are also a lot of things about him that kind of change over time and and, and there's a different reflection it's almost as if you're you're looking at a crystal on on a, on a different side you know mm-hmm. and it kind of changes the reflection on the wall and i feel like superman is a lot like that and so it's hard to say like oh man if you just if this is the quintessential you know comic to me, one of the pinnacle examples of who Superman is in the comics would be Kingdom Come. Interesting. That's the same one I would have pulled. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and it is because Superman has lived so long that he feels himself to have become irrelevant because he hadn't been able to do the one thing that I think meant the most to him, which was to save Lois Lane. And the the person who connected him the most with humanity. And the world begins to run amok, you know, with all these other superheroes taking it out. And something happens that causes Superman to basically come out of retirement and be like, that is enough. Right. And uh, him and Batman and Wonder Woman join forces again in the end. And they put things right. And Superman retires back to his life in Kansas with his new wife, girlfriend, uh, and they have a child, uh, Wonder Woman, which is just a fascinating, beautiful story. But to me, it's like Superman is a person, if I boiled it down, who wants to do good with his power and be a light for others to do good. Right. He's he's a person that can't be... um dissuaded from helping like i think that right exactly but i think that is possibly what is i think that people on a level to speak to you know not connecting with snyder what snyder is attempting to do is i think that there is on some level a desire of the audience even for people who say they don't like the character that they want to see Superman be the guy who, even when he's made fun of, even when he takes abuse, even when people call him outsider, even when people are suspicious of him, he cannot resist the urge to help. He can't not do it. And so I would say that that there is actually a movie that I think is much maligned, and I think I talked about this one on on this show previously, Superman, I think you Superman did. Returns. And there's the scene... There are two scenes. One is after he comes back and he he goes up and he's sort of floating in space and you hear him listening to everything that's going on in the world. And then he comes in like just like a, a speeding bullet, if you will, and then just goes around the world. And you can like tell that he was up there listening and prioritizing. He's like, OK, I got to go here. I got to go here. I got to do this. I got to do that and go. And he runs around and gets everything he had the ultimate like palm pilot at that point in <laughs> yeah. time, you know, like he's prioritizing the list. But see, I think <laughs> it would be really, really interesting for them to explore the idea of exactly how brilliant Superman has to be on a lot of levels. Because you mentioned Craig, um, who I got the, the book for before, and... He's a big fan of saying he doesn't like Superman because he's a dummy from Kansas, which is incredibly dismissive. It's flyover country mentality that drives me up a wall because it's it's so 
and I've I've said this to him, so I'm not talking behind his back on air or anything like that. But it, it's so ridiculously dismissive of anybody who doesn't come from like a major metropolitan center that that it infuriates me. But there's there is very much this idea that Superman is not just making the decision of who to be, not just trying to fit in, but is aware of aware on a level higher than you or I are of everything that's wrong in the world, right? Way more aware of it. And he he has become an expert at prioritizing and understanding. I mean, I, I would say that the character understands better than anybody the idea of I can't save everyone. It's an impossibility. And so I think that what really needs to be appreciated about the character and what I think might not be coming across in Snyder's version is that the, the, the Clark Kent suit that he wears every day protects not just himself and a secret identity, but it protects the world because he's making the conscious decision of, I can't be there. I can't set the expectation for everybody that I'm going to be there 24 seven people really, on a certain level, you're going to have to figure it out yourself, guys. I'm just one person. I can't save everybody. Well said, yeah. I think that's brilliant, John. And and, and I actually think that the Snyderverse actually does a good job of doing that uh, because, uh, especially Man of Steel, you know, uh, I, he has the great conversation with Lois Lane and he's like, well, maybe I'll just stop helping people. And she's like, well, I, I don't think that's really an option for you. Right. You know, because he keeps having to move his life in this transient existence that he's had because he keeps using his powers to help people. He can't help himself, you know, like um, he is living embodiment of you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And he understands that. And so if he can save somebody, he's going to try. And I think that's really beautiful. I think the most interesting question, and, and I'd say it's even more explicit in the Ultimate Edition of, of BVS, so I, I encourage everybody to watch it, even if you didn't really like the movie, because I think the themes actually do play out better because they have more time to play uh, and, and more scenes that help support them all. This Superman, and in, in, especially in Snyder's user, he wants to be that, but the world is having a hard time letting him because... Somebody even says it, one of the commentators, you know, every action is a political action. Yeah. You know? So for this Superman, every time he acts, somebody's slapping him down, you know, like telling him it was wrong for him to go help, you know, and it, it but he knows intrinsically it is the right thing to do. But the world we live in, it, the right thing is, is, is not always the most politically, uh, correct thing to do. And, uh, how do you be Superman in that universe? And I think that's a really interesting question. And Snyder has actually hit on a very meta theme of that we live in a world that doesn't really care about doing what's right anymore. We only care about what's doing politically correct. And a person like Superman, where he's just worried about... he. I love the the scene where the guy's like, maybe he's not a Jesus figure or a Moses. Maybe he's just a guy out there trying to do the right thing. Yeah. But nobody wants to let him do the right thing because they're all putting on him their motivations and their thoughts. And of course, the whole film is Lex Luthor is legitimately having him followed so that 
everywhere he goes setting up destruction so it, it it looks bad for superman the press game's not good for him because bad things keep happening around him that he's out of he doesn't have control over so yeah it, to me it, it creates such a fascinating question because again i i think that what snyder's grabbing at is that we want this but we have no idea how to have it anymore because we've come so far from the idea that there is really right or wrong it's just about something completely different and i don't even know what that is anymore john uh yeah you know i i think that's a fair point i i do want to say that um i forget the title of it but the the whole thing in man of steel of him being like kane from kung fu going around helping people yet trying to maintain his his secret identity is is that from birthright or is that from superman for all seasons it's uh, no, it's from it's Birthright. From birthright. You're right. Yeah, yeah, because Superman yeah, for it, All Seasons, yes, is mm-hmm. different, but does have yeah. And those are two other great books that I think people. Oh, fantastic! Birthright's brilliant. Yeah, but I mean, Birthright so is Mark Wade really did a great and, job, uh, and I think Red Sun is also an interesting sort of uh, examination of culturally what would have been different if Superman landed elsewhere, like you know, like. Uh, would he have still been essentially the same person and how much like that? That's a fascinating one because how much of Superman is. So let me pose that question to you. How much of Superman do you think has to do with where his ship happened to land and how much of it is just intrinsically him? Because that's in red sun. That's the question that they're wrestling with is, you know, how much of Superman is just who he is from the get go and how much of it is who his adoptive parents were? Uh, well, I mean, when you ask the question of nature versus nurture, um, I, I honestly think that it's a little bit of both, but more on the side of nurture. I mean, you don't have to teach a kid to be bad, right? I mean, John, you've got kids, and uh, I don't think you had to ever teach them how to do wrong. That's true. I haven't had to. It's a conscious decision to teach them how to do wrong. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you do spend all of your time trying to teach them what is right. And, uh, you know, I think Superman is, is very much that character that it's the most important thing for him to have had parents that, uh, taught him those moral lessons of, and virtues of what's right and wrong and good and evil and, where honor and loyalty and trust and truthfulness and all of those things, you know, truth, justice, and the American way, where they all come from, you know, and why we why we hold these truths to be self-evident, you know, um, that all men are created equal. And that means that Clark then and Superman treats people as if they're all equal. Right. And so I do think that it, it is preeminent that if you don't, have Superman land and get picked up by two wonderful people who are willing to um, one, take in an orphan and two, when they find out what this kid can do they still stick with him right, they, um, they don't shirk their responsibility loyalty. when they find out that it's going to be difficult exactly, exactly I mean, what a wonderful example of personal responsibility and loyalty and love that Superman grows up with so even if other people don't accept him, they do. Right. And you notice that Superman's best friends are the ones who accept him for who he is, especially when they know his secret, like Lois Lane 
or Jimmy Olsen or um, the members of the Justice League, like, you know, how Batman and him become such good friends in a lot of the comics in the sense that Superman can hand him kryptonite and say, if I ever go off the rails, you know what to do. And Batman say, I, I do. I know exactly what to do. Now, see, I think that's interesting that you hit on that because, uh, like, one, while you were talking, I was thinking about how uh, a, the, the one Superman analogous character, because Marvel and DC, like, growing up, they were like the WWF and the NWA. And, I mean, NWA, the National Wrestling <laughs> Alliance, not, uh, not, not, not the rap band. Although, not taking anything away from them because they were great. But... Um, there was always there were always analogous characters, you know, like there was almost a competition. It was like Transformers and GoBots, you know. There was a one to one. It was like, okay, they got this character. Who's going to be this one over in GoBots now? But uh, Colossus from X Men is, I think, re- like a real exploration of like Superman as well. If he were raised, you know, on the other side of the Atlantic, um, you know, superpowers, good people, just culturally from a different. You know, he, he supports a different idea of what a good culture is and stuff like that. But that's that's sort of like, uh, you know, tangential. I, I think that with with Superman, it's extremely. It's extremely telling that there's this character here who. Really is that that exploration of. May, maybe the thing that doesn't relate now. Uh, for the character, let me let me put this out there: is maybe the thing that people are having trouble relating to now, is this idea of maintaining a public and a personal persona. I think that possibly in the era of, especially in the era of social media, there's no thought of private me versus public me. Right? Like when I when I put on my button down shirt and I you know I put on my tie and I carpool into work. They're getting a version of me when I go into work. It's still me. I'm still who I am, but it's tailored for the situation, right? I, I might I might curse a little less at work. I might not indulge in in um, you know I <laughs> I'm not having a beer at four o'clock at work, much as I'd like to, you know that that sort of thing. <laughs> and then when I come home, maybe I'm a little freer with my opinions because I know I don't need to worry about treading on anybody's toes or anything like that. So do you think that there's a hurdle now with people as well? Because we're no, like we have completely burned out of existence in a sense, the idea that there is a difference between public me and personal me. That's an interesting question. I think, um, let's say BVS, I think answers this question. And again, the ultimate edition does a much better job in showing, uh, because there's a bunch more scenes with Clark Kent uh, being an investigative reporter and investigating the Batman and trying to get at the bottom of things. And so when he makes that little speech to Perry in the room, you've already seen him investigating more and talking about, you know, uh, that the press has a, a responsibility to help and all those things. So what you see there is that for Clark, He's the same person as Superman in the sense that he's still trying to to hold up the little guy, be there for everyone and help. He's just trying to use his pen to do it instead of his you know, his brawn. Right. Um he's it's it's still the same guy. You know, I I would push back and say that even though we live in a in a world of social media uh, and everything, 
it's still a facade, you know, because the thing, and especially with social media, I can put out there whatever I want and nobody has to know it's me if I'm good. You know, like nobody will know that it's me. I, I could say the most awful things and people do all the time. We see it all the time. I mean, just look at uh, uh, what a celebrity might face, uh, whether you like them or not. They don't deserve the vitriol that people throw at them. You know, the, the, the harsh and incredibly crass, disgusting language that gets thrown at them. Nobody deserves that. But we all think that just because we're behind some, you know, computer screen, uh, typing away in our underwear, that uh, we're okay. You know, we can say whatever we want. So I don't necessarily know if we still don't have that. It's just another facade that we put up. So you would say almost in a sense that we're all being Clark Kent slash Kal-El in the sense that we're very, we're controlling very much the us that people know and that the, like, yes. In a sense, Superman has the luxury of, not luxury, but I, I'm struggling for a better word, but Superman has people around him that he can be himself because you speak about people who accept him for who he is. And so he can exist in a space at least where he's surrounded by people, real people who are f supporting him, lovingly supporting him, being who he is, but he he has this ultimate control of how the world sees him because of Clark Kent. It's just that the dichotomy between the two is much, much more distinct for Superman than we want to admit about it. Like the line for us between reality and unreality, we've pulled in even closer. And so sometimes maybe even in the era of social media, maybe what people don't relate with about Superman is they've made themselves so cynical because they're no longer being even honest with the people that are around them about what they really think that they're, they're sort of plugging into. I, oh, yeah. I, think, I think that's because yeah. the thing is like the, the whole thing, honestly, the whole thing I'm trying to figure out is why is there this need to reinvent Superman? And then why is this reinvention rejected is, and so, you know, with the social media stuff, like is it possible that on some level people want that old Christopher Reeve Superman because he represented an undying hope and innocence that we ourselves don't feel anymore? Like we're looking for somebody to say, to, in a sense, absolve us, allow us through escapism to absolve ourselves for kind of being a bunch of cynical jerks nowadays. Yeah, Ooh, that's a good, I, I think you might have hit it on the head in some ways because, you know, again, when you look, as, if if you think through, especially the Snyderverse, in that that vein, you can see this person, this Superman, trying to be that. But he's constantly buffeted up against the cynicism. And that cynicism does have an effect on him, you know? This is the thing I like about the Snyderverse is that Superman is not above having feelings. He's not above being human. He's raised as a human, you know. Um, he has all the same feelings that we do. He has to work to control them much more than we do, like, you know, almost like a Vulcan in Star Trek, because if not, I mean, it would be a catastrophe. And so I, I think that's one of the things that, that, really just makes again the idea so interesting and I, I think 
I really do think, John, that as we, we look back in the coming years, um, and as this this you know DC universe continues to grow, I really do think that this Superman is going to become more and more important because of the journey he has taken. Uh, because I, I do think that seeing a character choose good and right with all the power that he has and choose to give his life for people that really don't even like him and make sure that they all have the ability to live and he might not is the same thing I saw in Dallas when some police officers gave their life for people that were protesting police and they didn't think twice to run towards danger. And it's like it's so in BVS, is this what does Superman do? He flies towards danger, whether it's gonna cost him his life or not, to save a world that isn't sure it even wants him around. You know, and so to me that's so powerful when I think of the world in which we live. And I think it will continue to grow because, you know, as he comes back and everything, I, he's inspired a movement now, uh, a movement towards betterment, you know, a, a, a Batman f finding purpose again, a Wonder Woman deciding it's it's maybe it's time to come out of retirement, um, you know, other uh, metahumans coming together to try and do good. That's that's powerful stuff. Like one person can't change the future, the course of the future of the world. And Superman does that, I think, by choosing to be good when he doesn't have to be good because he could get away with whatever the hell he wanted. Mm -hmm. But that's not what he chooses to do with his power. Uh, in the same way, you know, God could just wipe out all of existence and just be done with it and go enjoy himself, but he doesn't choose to do that. You yeah, know? I, you know... I <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things I struggle with is I, I get what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And I'm not I'm I'm not debating the, the Snyder verse at all like that. That's not what I'm going for. But I almost wonder if there's a sense as well, uh, you know, taking a different sort of uh, line of thought of is it possible that Superman. Even more so than some of the other uh, uh, comic book characters that have been out there. Has he been explored enough? Is it time for, I you know, like we hold on to these characters and we reinvent them. I will say the same thing about Batman. I love Batman, but I mean, that's, you know, that's like saying you love bacon. Everybody loves bacon, right? Like, yeah, seriously, like, you, I love Batman. Uh-huh. Do you like yes. Batman? Great. Duh. I'm glad you like water. That's cool. Uh and we, we keep reinventing Batman to be, uh, you know, symbolic of the times and stuff like that. Is it possible that these two characters are, in a sense, like, um, you know, are we having a moment like Spock in Star Trek VI? Have we become so old as to, outlive, as to have outlived our usefulness? It, is it possible that Superman, we're, we're just, we're in this very difficult point where, I think that um, Superman, Batman, James Bond, these guys stay with us to a large degree through nostalgia. And is it time for these characters just to hang it up? Or, you know, even if they continue making movies, go back to the time period they represent or that they came from. Do you think that there's any merit to that argument? 
I'd, I'd say that um, the reason it's easier for uh, people to accept, say, Batman, is Batman has continuously been reinvented, you know, since 80, 89. You know, they, they never stopped making Batman films. 66, really. I'm just going to be... I'm going to be a technical Batman jerk about yeah, that. Yeah, you're right. No, 66 and then 89 and then, you know, uh, we had Batman Returns and then, of course, Forever and, and, and we just keep having this succession of Batmans. And so we're used to that. But I think about this. For an entire generation of people, there was only one Superman. It was Christopher Reeve. There weren't any other Supermans. And then when we tried to redo Superman the first time, it was just a homage so much to Christopher Reeve that it didn't feel different. In fact, people were kind of bored with it. And of course, it. you're talking about uh, the Adventures of Lois and Clark. Superman Returns. Oh, see? <laughs> no, I'm talking about Superman Returns. Um, so the, 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 the first time that we really tried to create a new version of Superman, and a lot like the way that Nolan had done with Batman, is with what, what, what Nolan Snyder did with Man of Steel. But it doesn't have the history that Batman's had, where we're kind of used to every three or four films, you get a new Batman and you kind of get a new interpretation. And, you know, or the same thing with you mentioned James Bond. We're totally used to James Bond being new every four to five films. So it's it's just in its DNA with Superman. I think the struggle has been is just it hasn't been part of the zeitgeist of Superman for so long to be really explored. And I think you're exactly right. It is time for us to explore Superman and the questions about him in a new and different way in, in the context of the world in which we live. And that's what Snyder is doing. People just don't like it because you know what? Superman hasn't changed, but the world in which Superman's trying to serve has. And the reflection that we don't like is not Superman. The reflection is the world around Superman. Interesting. I think that's the big issue. And because, again, watch BVS. Superman is trying to do the right thing. And at every turn, it is it is turning to total crap. Uh, part of that is, I mean, well, the biggest part is Lex Luthor is doing it on purpose. But even when he's trying to help, in the smallest area, you know, people are questioning it. You know, like saving the rocket that blew up or, you know, uh, saving the people from the flood or dragging that boat that was in trouble, you know, across the ice. You know, it just seems like people, it doesn't matter what he's trying to do. It's just not good enough. And I think that's the thing is that the world doesn't even know what it wants anymore. And so, yes, I think it is definitely time to continue to explore this character in, in greater depth. And I got to say, you know... um, to me, one of the highlights over this last year has been really digging into the DC canon and reading all these comics like, um, you know, uh, I just reread uh, Thy Kingdom Come uh, by um, Jeff Johns. I've read all of the Crisis books. Um, I've read, you know, For Tomorrow, which is fantastic uh, with Superman. Uh, obviously, I've read the uh, Death and Return of Superman. Um I just, uh, I've read all of the new 52 and a lot of things leading up to that. I just, uh, these characters do have something to teach us, I think still, and give us 
a good mirror to look at and and ask good questions. And um, sometimes we just don't like the answer. Yeah, I you know I I think that the your comment about the world being different and that's what we don't like. I think that Superman very much because Batman never explored the the good and evil question the same way Superman did. Superman was born of an era where it was uh, much less complicated for, you know, I mean, you know, let's first and foremost, let's face it. Comic books come from the pulp fiction tradition. That's just where they're from, you know, like that. And they've grown up now with us, uh, the generation that won't put their toys away. Not saying that as a dig, obviously I'm the same way. Um, yeah, you got great toys oh, on your please, wall. My I can toys see them. rock, uh, but Ahem, I know mine do too. Right, you know, I come on, jeez. <laughs> uh, but but you know, we're, we're the first generation that's really not putting their toys away. But at the same time, Superman, the original incarnation, and even the incarnation that we grew up with, belongs to an era where it was much less complicated for somebody just to come forward and make a very broad statement of this is good, this is bad, and we're a much more detail focused world. And I think that the point you're hitting on and uh, again, I'm not, I'm not debating Snyder or the success of the films on a technical level or anything like that, but to speak to your point about, you know, he's pulling the ship across and it's just not good enough. I think that, I think that you have a valid point in saying that one of the difficulties of connection is that the world in which we're living does not believe in any absolute anymore. And so, in a sense, is has become so obsessed with the details of what you're trying to do as opposed to the overarching um, uh, intent or even outcome. Because, for instance, let's take the end of Man of Steel, which plenty of people have a problem with, but to speak to your point about it, everybody points to, well, Metropolis still gets demolished. Superman doesn't lead them away from the city. All of those sorts of things. People are finding all of these problems with it. But at the same time, Superman traditionally belongs to the the superhero trope of the ancillary damage. You just presume it's not as cataclysmic. You know, it, it gives you the out in the comic books when you see a city get destroyed. Yeah. You're like, yeah. you, when you're a kid and you're reading it. Cause it happens in the comics a lot. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you want to talk about like the ultimate out. Like, you know, we grew up watching GI Joe where like the plane explodes, but everybody parachuted out. It's cool guys. It's all good. Everybody made it out. Um, and you know, I mean, how <laughs> many Cobra, like nobody died in GI Joe. It's a, it's a show about warfare and nobody got shot. So anyway, um, like I think that, you know, that illustrates it more than anything. What I what I think you're you're saying is that we live in a world now where it's not enough that he kept the world from being terraformed or uh, taken over by Zod or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What matters is what about the property damage? What about the people that got hurt? And it's like, well, okay, yes, it, that, but that's he didn't intend for that to happen, and he was doing his best that he could, but the best isn't good enough. I think that's a very valid point. Again, I'm not debating the the technical merits of of anything Snyder did, but I think that that point stands. I think your point stands with that. And I I like that you bring up this idea of you know we don't we don't hold in, in for the most part this world does not hold to any absolutes 
other than we absolutely disagree on just about everything. Yeah, if you don't do things the way that I want you to do them, then they're probably wrong instead of having some sort of standard to look to. And for for the longest time, the standard of Superman was truth, justice, and the American way. But that's not a thing anymore. Because, well, nobody believes in truth. Who knows what justice is anymore? And the American way, I don't even know what that is at this point. So who is the character? Because the things that which he stood upon, we've pulled out from under him. I, I just figured it out while you're sitting there talking about it. And man, you, you helped me finally plug it in because there's a song by the band Sticks that has been a, an absolute favorite of mine ever since the first time I heard it. Oh, so many years ago when I was a teenager. And I think that I could easily term this uh, Superman's song or the song for us relating to Superman. It's Show Me the Way by the band Sticks. And are you familiar with the song? Because everybody knows uh, <laughs> Come Sail Away. Everybody knows that song. Yeah. No, I've, I think that I've heard it, but I think it's been. I a highly while. encourage you to listen to it because what you were just saying. What it sounded like to me was, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, the whole song is about living in a world with disillusionment. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, the saints turn into sinners, you know, every day I'm more confused. And like it talks about and in a sense, it's universal what you're saying. Like it feels in our moment, it feels like these are questions we're, we're wrestling with for the first time. And it's, that's not the case. So, because if you can reach all the way back to "Show Me the Way" by Sticks, it is a universal, consistent question of what does it mean? What, how do I not lose hope as to you know the way the world is and the way that it's happening? So, it's really interesting that that is the first time where I've connected Superman with that song. So, I highly encourage you to listen to it and see um, if you if you get the same sort of read. Not necessarily that the song is about Superman. It definitely is not. But that it might be the perspective of somebody who wants a hero like Superman to show up. That's all I'm going to, that's all I'll say about it. Uh, so that, that's my, that's, that's my last two cents about the audience participation with Superman in the modern day. <laughs> no, I think that's, I think that's a, a great thought that if Superman Returns Superman says to Lois, you know, you wrote an article saying that the world doesn't need a savior. Yes. And he says, but I hear the world crying out for one every single day. Right. And I think that that is the struggle with the character of Superman is that Superman in the end is for the most part, a Moses Jesus like savior type character. And yet look at what we do to our savior like characters. We tend to persecute them and crucify them and all sorts of really bad things because we don't we want somebody to tell us what to do and and to tell us what's right and wrong but at the same time we don't. And you know Superman is a character that I think does show us the way to hope. You know Superman is hope. You know I love that that birthright that the S on the chest stands for hope. This symbol means hope. 
And I think that's really powerful, especially in a world in which we live today. And I think to me, again, you know, uh, when the, the latest movie, Superman embodied hope because the, what the hope was is that there would be somebody willing to lay on his life for another, mm-hmm. whether it was a friend or an enemy. And that's a beautiful thing, you know, and I think that the best Superman comics show us that character, the one that invibes hope that will at at all costs do what it takes to make sure he can save as many lives as possible. And I mean, I think, you know, for tomorrow, that's one of the things about that comic is Superman is anguished because he hasn't been able to figure out what's caused this vanishing and that he wasn't able to stop it. And Superman, he knows he can't save everybody, but that doesn't mean he doesn't want to. And so it it can drive him almost crazy when he can't make it happen, you know, Mm -hmm. or he can't figure something out. And I think that's one of the things uh, that we all love about him and what does draw us to that character because, goodness, don't we want that character to exist for real? Oh, sure. Sure. And and speaking of that character existing, as as we're... Uh, you know, as we're we're winding down, what would be for you as a Superman fan, as a diehard Superman fan, somebody says to you, and I think it is too easy to have a list of five nowadays. So I'm going to make it tougher for you. And I think a list of three is just a jerk way to deal with it. So your four Superman titles that if you wanted somebody to become a Superman fan, if you wanted them to see the character that you see that is living in your head, what are the four titles? And obviously they can be trade paperbacks, they can be graphic novels, or even a single issue. Uh, like if there's a special double issue that, that he jumped forth, what are the four titles that you would point somebody toward? Like it, unlimited money and somebody says, buy for this person four, uh, the four titles that are necessary, go. What are they? Well, I, I did mention Kingdom Come. I think that's definitely on the list. I would say that Birthright would be another. I honestly would say, John, that um, the final days of Superman's run at the end of the New 52, uh, where, spoiler alert, Superman finds out he's dying, really encapsulates, I think, the character of Superman. And I think I might, I think I might choose for tomorrow as well. I, I, I really love that comic, and there's so many others that I could choose. But I think if I really just wanted to have somebody understand Superman, that would be it. I guess uh, if there was an alternate, it might be uh, All Star Superman, uh, because that that tends to encapsulate a lot of. Uh, Superman but what about you do you have a four uh, if you think comic wise that you would pick for people I would never presume to challenge anything that uh, that that you would put out there because you're the Superman expert but I would actually offer supplementally that uh, because I, I think Kingdom Come is uh, key to understanding the character I think that um, uh, the birthright I think that Superman for all seasons is uh, like it's it's one of the most beautiful mm-hmm. books I've ever yeah. read comic book wise. Like I, I I can't get over that one. Um, and uh, I I think that I would offer, believe it or not, a Batman title as a good way for understanding Superman. And 
the first thing I'm going to say before I get to the one I am going to mention is that I think that a very key mistake, I think that Frank Miller poisoned the waters for Superman for a great number of years because he's the one that reinvented Superman as a government stooge in The Dark Knight Returns. Mm, Yeah. And I think that has gone a long way to damaging Superman's character, uh, as it were. But I would throw out there uh, Batman Hush uh, for a great, uh, it, uh, it, it's a you know it's a, a, a trade paperback now, but it was originally a run um, in the in the Batman comics, and I think that uh, Hush is a great example. It's focused on Batman. It's a Batman story, but Superman shows up in it, and there is a very t- telling character exchange between Batman and Superman that I think goes a great way toward illustrating the key difference between the characters the key moral underpinnings of the characters and um, serves as a really good contrast without detracting from either one of them. So I, I would throw Batman Hush in there as something for mm. good for getting your hooks into Superman. Yeah, I mean, and there's just, there's so many great things out there. You know, I just, uh, the uh, honestly, I think the New 52 had a lot of great uh, things that it did with the character, especially starting with Greg Pak's run there in, in action comics and then um about that time what they were doing with, in the superman series so it, there's just a plethora of things you could talk about with superman I'm, I'm just really glad that we got a chance to just sit down and talk about this character and i think uh you know it, i had no idea we would get so deep I mean, we didn't even talk about the cartoons that there are yeah. uh like the animated series or the dc animated movies that they've done that have been so good but uh, maybe we'll revisit the character again one day, but uh, I'm just glad we got a chance to do this, and, and we have great associate producers who let us do that. Um, Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson, really appreciate them for supporting us through Patreon as associate producers, and uh, we're a listener-supported network here on Track FM, so we really need your help to make sure that all the content that we put out each and every week comes to you And the best way to make sure that happens is to become a patron on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash trekfm and you can see how you can become part of our team and uh, support an incredible content throughout the network and, of course, here on the 602 Club. So, John, uh, this has been an incredible day after my birthday uh, to be able to sit here and talk about my favorite superhero and talk about him in, in such incredible, I think, uh, philosophical depth. Uh, you know, I, I think that's one of the things is we talk to superheroes. They can lead to an incredible discussion uh, when they're well-written. And I think a character, 75 years, there's something they're doing right. So um, we've got probably plenty more years to, to go. But before we get out of here, I don't know about you, but Kryptonian beverages really aren't sitting so well with me. Uh, where can we find you online? Uh, come on, guys. You know where to find me. Kessel Junkie on Twitter. Uh, you'll find me crawling around the Babel Conference uh, from time to time. And um, you can also find me on another show on Trek FM, Stage 9, with uh, the inimitable Michael Schindler, uh, where we're exploring you know, Star Trek creators uh, when they're not making Star Trek. And it, we're having a lot of fun with that. Um, and you can find me on a show called Words with Nerds that I do with my pal Craig and 
a show that I also do with you, Matthew, called Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast over on the Nerd Party Network, where um, I think that I think that this Superman conversation is a really good example of the type of ground that we cover uh, over there. So. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Actually, I think you're you're exactly right. We we pretty much had that style of show here on the Six Hundred Two Club, and it was it was just a joy. Yeah. Uh, and so, if you enjoyed this, I think you're going to love aggressive negotiations. But where else can people find you? Well, uh, I'm on Twitter at MattRushing02. I'm also here on the network doing The Orb with Chris Jones. We're talking about Deep Space Nine. We just actually put out a, a new episode recently. We're talking about uh, Rapture, the episode Rapture, which uh, we got in some great conversations. So I hope everybody will check that out. Uh, of course, I've got Literary Treks with Dan and Bruce. We talk about the books and comics of Star Trek and also interviewing the authors. It's a blast. So I hope everybody will enjoy that as well and i just want to thank everybody so much for joining us and y'all come back now you hear <laughs>